thank you for this opportunity to preach God's word. First, I want to share a little, little testimony. A couple of years ago, I was um, thinking about what can I do in God's work. And I was thinking about the same verse that is now the theme. And that's this uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and unto all and unto the uttermost part of the earth. And at that moment, we lived in, in Flushing in, in the Netherlands, and I saw that as our Jerusalem. And I prayed for an opening that I could uh, uh, join in God's work and I became a uh, caretaker of, in, of our church at that moment. And I thank God that he gave me that opportunity to serve him in that way. But after a while, God called us to, to come to England to study at Crown Hall. And I kind of see that as Samaria as a step, the next step. And maybe the next step is the uttermost part of the earth, but I don't know where that is in the earth. But God has put us now here to train and to study. And we see where God leads. We will obey him. I want to take God's, if you want to take God's word, if you have your Bible with you, turn with me to John chapter 4. In God's word, John chapter 4. I just want to read from John 4, the verses um, 31 till 42. In God's word, John chapter 4, verse 31 to 42, it, start, it says in verse 31, In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Had any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said unto, saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth, and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. All the men labored, and ye are entered in their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, he besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Before we listen to God's word, 
the preaching. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we are thankful that we can come to you again. We are thankful for your word. Oh, blessed to our hearts, Lord. Prepare our hearts, when we in this message from you. Oh, Lord, it's not about me. It's not about us, but it's all about your glory. Oh, Lord, there are unsafe people tonight. Save their souls. Lord, that we not continue in our walk without you, but that we start walking with you. And when we are Christians, oh, Lord, may we continue in the work. May we see our calling where you call us. Lord, help us to listen carefully to your word. Enable me to speak truly and only your word. Lord, we ask for your help, for your guidance and for your leading. For we ask these things only in Christ Jesus' name. For his sake and for his glory we pray. Amen. I wrote above this sermon, there is a work for all to do. And in John chapter 4, maybe you know John chapter 4, it uh, speaks about the woman at the well. And it, it's, it's amazing to see in verse 1, it says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. So Jesus, his work was growing, it was increasing, says in God's word that, his, that he made more disciples than John the Baptist. He baptized, it was not God of Jesus who baptized, but it were his disciples who baptized. But his ministry was growing. His ministry was a blessing. And we see that it became true what, what John the Baptist said about himself, that he it is who coming after me is preferred before me, whose shoe listed I am not worthy to unloose. God, Jesus, his work was greater than the work of, of John. And God's work was unstoppable. And the devil will stand up, but God's work will continue. Because he is the victor, he's the conqueror. And we see here that Jesus wants to go, in verse is verse 3, that he wants to go to Galilee. I mean, maybe you know the map of Israel, but if you have the map of Israel, Jesus was, it says, in Judea. So he was in the, in the, in the south and he wanted to go up to the north. But there was one area between and that was Samaria. And he has to go through Samaria. That was the shortest way, but it was also another route and you had to go through Jordan, through Perea, again through Jordan, and then you could come into Galilee. But it says in God's word, and he must needs go through Samaria. That was the shortest way. And God's spirit led Jesus that he went through Samaria. With a reason, we will find out. Because the Jews had a lot of prejudice about the Samaritans. It was, they thought it was about the Samaritans that were half-breed Jews. They were not real Jews. And I want to ask you the question, do you have sometimes prejudice about certain groups of people? Maybe it's so easy to think to have any thoughts about other groups of people. But Jesus didn't have any prejudice about other groups of people. Jews had, but Jesus didn't have that. And so he must go through Samaria in chapter, in, uh, chapter four, verse four. And the spirit led him and he came through the well and he came to the well. And I want to go through quickly through this 
the conversation he has. He come to the well and there he met a woman, woman at the well. He spoke with her and she, he offered her the living water. And when you look with me, you can see that he offered her living water. In verse number, in verse 13, you see that Jesus is end, answering her and he said, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So maybe you have drunk water during this dinner and maybe now you're already thirsty or later on. But God says, of Jesus says, whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Because only Jesus can give the living water. And then we see further on in this conversation that Jesus shows her her sin. He asked her to get her husband. But she said, I have no husband. And then he reveals her sin. But later on, we see that Jesus reveals himself. And... The woman said in verse 25, she says, The woman said unto him, I know that the Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Yeah. And then Jesus said to her, I that speak unto thee am he. It was Jesus. He was the Christ. He revealed him unto her. And then we see that the disciples are coming back. And they wonder, are wondering, why is he speaking with that woman? Because he, as a Jew, spoke with a Samaritan woman. And in the same time, that woman, she left. She left her water pot and went into the city. And see what she said in verse 29. Come and see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is he not the Christ? So she went back with her tes testimony that she found Christ. And I wonder this evening, did you find Christ? Have you already found Christ? What was your reason to come tonight to this meeting? To, to come and to see maybe what we built? To, to have fellowship with each other? But did you come really to hear from God's word and to see Jesus? And then we see in verse 30, an amazing act of an amazing act of those people when they went out of the city and came into him. So she told what he had told her, all what she had done. And she told them, the, all the people, and all the people came out to see Jesus. And then we see closer that he, Jesus starts a conversation with the disciples. Well, they are coming out of, out of the city. We see that Jesus has a conversation with his disciples. And the disciples are focused on, on, on physical things, on, on food. And he said, um, he said unto them in verse 32, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. They were focused on the physical things, but he was focused on spiritual things. And so they, there was a disconnection between those two. Therefore said the disciples and one to another, had any man brought him all to eat? And Jesus said unto them, my meat is to do the will of my father, of him that sent me, that's his father, and to finish his work. 
And I just want to look close to this verse. It says, the will of him that sent me. And what was the will of him that sent me? What was the will of the Father? And you can turn me, if, if you have your Bibles with me, with you, you can turn to John chapter 6. In verse 38 to 40, it says, And ye have not this word abiding in you, for whom ye have sent. Uh, sorry, chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 38 and to 40. For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will, which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me. Listen carefully, what's the, what the will is of God the Father, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him, may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up at the last day. It says that everyone, so everyone is nobody excluded, but everyone who seeth the Son and believeth on him have everlasting life. So seeing is not only enough. You have to believe in Jesus Christ and then you have everlasting life. And God and Jesus will raise you up the last day. That's the will of the Father that everybody believes in Him, in Jesus Christ. And we say, it said also that Jesus came to finish God's, the Father, His work, Jesus' work. And we, what is Jesus' work? You can see it in John chapter 17. And the whole chapter is speaking about the work of, of, of Jesus. And but just want to mention two verses. It says in verse 4, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou hast given me to do. And verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto men, which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest me, and they have kept thy word. So Jesus Christ came down from heaven to earth to save sinners. Yeah. And I just want to wondering, if you are Christian, are you following are you following God's will? Are you doing the work to continue his work? Do you have a heart for the lost like Jesus? Jesus had a heart for the lost and he was led by the spirit to Samaria to meet that woman, the lost soul. And do you have a, a heart that is seeking God's glory to bring glory to his name and not glory to your own name? And the disciples were focused on food, but Christ was focused only focused on, on that lost soul. And sometimes God calls or we want to follow Jesus, but then we have other things we, put, we, are, we think that's more important to do. Just want to read from, from Luke 9. Luke 9, see, you see three men in Luke 9 verse 57. Three men who want to follow Jesus Christ. But they had all other things to do. That was more important than, than following Jesus Christ. And it says, And it came to pass that as they went in the way, certain men said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, Suffer me first to go and bury my father. 
So let's first, let's first do something else and follow the Lord. And he said, Lord, and Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury the dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Follow God, follow him. If he, if you want to follow him, you have to follow him and not first your, want to do your own thing and then follow him. And then we see further on in, in our passage that Jesus said, he uses a saying of, of the Hebrews, of the Jews. Say not ye, in verse 35, are there yet four months and then come at the harvest? So Jesus wants to mention, when you sow the seeds, most of the time, four months later, around that time, four months later, they will come fruit up and then you can reap. He's using that saying. And then he says, behold, and Paul mentioned yesterday, it's care, listen carefully. So we have to listen carefully what Jesus is saying now. I just want to say this, this passage, the next couple of verses show God's work, the work that needs to be done. And it says, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. You can see that this is a necessary work that needs to be done. Because he said, lift up your eyes and see. And probably the word Jesus mentioned the people coming out of the city and he saw them coming and, saw, and said to the disciples, lift up your eyes and look. And it really gives urgency. Look up now, look, they are coming. Now is the harvest time. But they're just wondering if, where is your focus on? Are you looking or are you looking down or looking on your mobile phone on following the news or doing other things or is your work important or, or more important or hobbies? But are we looking up to see that Jesus is coming back and that souls needs to be saved? So we have to lift our eyes up and look. The world is in need, is in need of a savior. And if you are a Christian, you know that Jesus Christ is a savior. So time is running out and we have to proclaim that Jesus Christ only can save. And we see in Matthew 9 about that Jesus is speaking also about a harvest. Matthew chapter 9 it speaks in verse 37. Is Jesus' own words also. Then said that he, Jesus, unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous. But the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors to his harvest. Yeah. And he said in verse 38, pray. And that is um, work we all can do. Sometimes we think we are not able to do leaf hand giving out leaflets or standing on a box. But this is a thing we can all do. Pray. Pray that. God will send out laborers. And often we think we have to give out leaflets, we have to stand off a box, we have to have conversations. But think about this, that prayer is the greatest work. That's the greatest work that, that, that needs to be done. And 
Are you praying that God will send out labors? But are you also listening and sensitive to God's spirit that maybe he is calling you to send you out as a laborer in his work? Do you feel the calling maybe to Jerusalem, maybe to here to Oxford or where you live? Or do you feel a calling to Judea a little bit wider or to Samaria, what Pastor mentions, Europe, or maybe to the uttermost of the earth? Or do you think that you are not able to serve God, to be a laborer for him? You think, maybe you think it's, I'm not able to speak on a box. I'm not able to have a conversation about, about Jesus. But it's not about your abilities. It's about your availability. And that's what I have, that's really spoke to me when we just arrived here in England and maybe we were, we were, um, connected to Oxford Baptist Chapel to serve the first, our first term there. And pastor preached about Moses and he was not able, he f- didn't feel able to speak. And, and pastor mentioned that it was not about your abilities, but about your availability. And I don't feel able to preach. And, um, I'm not a person who is extrovert and, and, and a lot of talking and so, but I, God, when God calls you, you have to obey and God makes you willing and, and gives you the ability to, to preach and to share the gospel. And when I think about just a couple, yeah, couple weeks, I think a couple, maybe a couple months ago, when I think about, um, preaching, I, I should say, I, probably it's not for me, but God makes you willing and, God gives the opportunity and it is an amazing opportunity to share the gospel to, to souls and to encourage the believer and, and to strengthen in their faith. So God makes willing and we, we don't have to do it in our own strength. It's amazing that God says in, in Matthew, in Matthew 10, just the following up of, on, on Matthew 9. And when he had called, unto him his 12 disciples. So Jesus called him disciples to himself. He gave them power. Jesus gave them power to do things. And later on in verse 5 it says, These 12 Jesus sent forth. So it was all about Jesus. He called them to himself. He gave them power. And he sent them forth. So it's not about us. But it's about Jesus. And we have to glorify him. And bring glory to his name because he is worthy to receive all. And when we see the disciples, they were fishermen, but God enabled them to speak. When we see them, it's mentioned yesterday as well, like in the book of Acts, when they stand up after they are received the Holy Ghost, they were do, able to do great and mighty things for the Lord. They turned the world upside down and that is still possible. But it is a necessity to stand up for God, for Christ. The time is running out, what I already said, and life is short. And we are with a purpose on this earth. And we have to bring glory in our lives to God. And it's also what I see in verse 36. It's a rewarding work. And he that reapeth, receiveth wage and gather fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. It says, 
life, fruit unto life eternal, that souls are maybe saved. And for ourselves, there is a crown that is laid for on us, for us, because it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that faded not away. When we do his will, when we do his work, us is given a crown. Not to wear for ourselves, but to cast at his feet. To bring glory to his name. And that is our reward. And just was thinking about um, 1 Corinthians 9. And we have said it many times in Crown Hall, our first hall, the whole first the first term was it, I think. Yeah. And it was 1 Corinthians 9. You can turn me with there if you have a Bible. It says in from verse 16, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity, it points back to what I first said, this is a work of necessity. This is a necessary work. For necessity is laid upon me, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. And on verse 18, what is my reward then? Let's speak over our reward. Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And then speaking about becoming the Jew as a Jew, and and without law as without law and to the weak became as weak to come close to that group of people to reach them and to preach the gospel and that says in verse 25 and that every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown but we if you serve lord jesus we do it for an incorruptible crown i therefore so run not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So we do it to obtain an incorruptible crown. Amen. And God's work is diverse. And we see it here, we have people who are sowing, and we have people who are reaping. And you can be one of both, of both because it says, Paul is the one who, who water uh, gives and Apollos who watered, but it is God who gives the increase. And I just want to ask you, are you sowing? Or are you reaping? Are you a part in God's work? Do you have a part in God's work? Because sometimes we sow only. And then I was thinking about, maybe you know that story about the man in the George Street. I just want to make it short. That man, God saved his life and the man went out every day to give out 10 leaflets because that was his promise to God. When you save me, I give out 10 leaflets in the day. And he gave out 10 leaflets in the day. And at the end of his life, he hadn't seen any, any fruit of his work. But at the end of his life, one minister visited him and he was saved through that leaflet. And he told him that many others were saved through all those leaflets he gave out. And how many, many of them were into the ministry, were evangelists were preachers and he just went every day out to sow the seed and at the end of his life he heard that there was 
fruit on his work. So we have to go out and to sow the seeds. And just want this last point that I want to mention that it's God's work is a continuing work. And it says in verse 37, Jesus uses again a Jewish saying, and herein is that saying true, one sow it and another reap it. Um, in addition to verse 36, but also going forth to verse 38. And I sent you. Who sent us? It is Jesus who sent us. And he is mentioned, what I just read in Matthew 9, and you can also read it in Luke, that he is the Lord of the harvest. And the Lord of the harvest, he is sending us, of sending the disciples, but also sending us. It says, I sent you to reap that where on you bestowed no labor, other men labored and ye are entered in their labors. And this verse, they mean, Jesus meant the prophets, he had given the prophets to sow the seed. And now the disciples are those who can reap and can bring in the sheaves. But what's your part? Are you, a, do you have a part? What I already asked, do you have a part? Are you reaping? Or are you sowing? Are you reaping for God? And know that only, for example, only sharing their testimony can have a big impact. And as we see this in verse 39, that woman went back and it says, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So, and when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he should tarry with them. So she went back to the city, told her testimony. And on her testimony, many of the Samaritans came. I was wondering, do you have a testimony? Do you have a testimony? Can you test, testify of God's amazing grace about God saving your soul? It's setting you free as a sinner and making you free. Can you share your testimony? And... And you see that they are coming. They are coming to him and they have a question. They ask him to stay, to stay there for two days. Of to stay with them. And Jesus said, and he abode there two days. So Jesus stayed with them. They asked him and he stayed. And then it says, and many more believe because of his own word. And said unto the woman, now we believe. Not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And I'm wondering, do you hear him? Do you hear Jesus speaking when you read your word, when you read his word? Are you, and when you come to church, when gospel is preached, do you hear God speaking to your heart? He is speaking, but do you, are you listening? Are you hearing his voice? And it says, that they, that they knew that this was indeed Christ, the Savior of the world. None else, nothing else. And this Bible says we have one mediator. There is one way to God. And there's one name given among men for whom he can be saved. And there's only Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus tonight, come to him. And that's one of his um, words he often used to say, come, come unto me. Come and be free. And if you are, if you are not saved tonight, don't push it forward. We don't know 
when we will die. We know one, two things certain that we will die at a certain point and that Jesus is coming back, but both things we don't know when. So be ready to meet him. Yeah. And if you are a Christian, um, come tonight and dedicate yourself to, to Christ and give him for you his service. He is worthy to serve. Yeah. And we see that Jesus departed, but did the work stop at, a at that point for the Samaritans? No, it didn't stop. When we look in, in, um, in the Acts, the apostles, we see later on that Philip went to Samaria. He was one of the seven who was ordained by the apostles. He went to Samaria, Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And it says in Acts chapter 8, verse 6, And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip, Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. So they came, they broke out the revival there in Samaria. They heard, had heard from Jesus what he has done. And now Philip came and preached the gospel again. And many were saved there. You see, there was great joy in that city, verse 8. And we see that, that when, when, it was, uh, was, when it was told to the apostles, Peter and John came to there as well. And they prayed for the Holy Ghost and the Holy Ghost came down. And it was also that, that the, there was great joy. And it says in verse 25, and they, when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem. There was a revival and they, many souls were saved in that period. But also about that Philip, the man is mentioned his name later on in one, in the Acts. He was Philip, the evangelist. I'm just wondering, as you as Christians, what is your name? Do you have an other name? And there broke, there was a revival and God was glorified. And when you trace it back, it became, it started with Jesus, that he must go through Samaria yeah. to meet that lady, to meet that woman. And she gave, and she gave her testimony. It had such a big, um, consequences. And they so see this, that just a thing as sharing your testimony can have a big impact and just thought about a hymn. And it's, you can read it with me. It's in the hymn book. It's hymn number 11. It says, little is much when God is in it. It's in the harvest field now ripened. There's a work for all to do. Hark, the voice of God is calling. To the harvest calling you. And it says in the chorus, little is much when God is in it. Just sharing your testimony, it seems not big, maybe, but it's when God is in it, then it's great. And labor not for wealth or fame. And it speaks here, there is a crown and you can win it if you go in Jesus' name. So go in Jesus' name and then little is much when God